everybody. Welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast Podcast with Wayne and Patrick coming to you for week 14. Uh, we are going to go over four hard-hitting matchups this weekend in the NFL and round it off with a very interesting question at the end about you know MVPs and uh, some of the guys that we have in the running that are not quarterbacks. So stick around. It's going to be a really fun one. Um, you know, we are uh, here, you know, with, you know, a couple of folks uh, that help to, you know, keep the show going in the same way or, you know, been ha- helpful in promoting us, but the Sharps app, take a look. Uh, we've got our referral code down there. Make sure to hit that specifically for, for Wayne and myself. So you can support this podcast, keep it going um, in the same sense. Um, look at tight nutrition. Uh, you can get 10% off you know, products there, um, full line for those that work out all facets of, of a workout they cover. So check out their products as well. Um, give us a like subscribe, uh, to this channel, anywhere you're at comment, always send us messages anywhere we, where we have message boxes. We're always happy to, you know, go over anything you may, you may ask, but, uh, without further ado, we will, uh, kick it off with the first matchup for week 14 that we're going to cover, uh, the Buffalo bills going on the road to take on the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Um, man, you know, this Bills team and this Chiefs team uh, kind of coming in here like a little rugged, right? I, I think that's that's my feeling. Uh, this isn't the best Bills team, and this isn't the best Chiefs team we've seen in recent years, right? Uh, but this is a really good Chiefs defense, and I think that's kind of what's setting them apart, in my opinion, in this matchup, especially at Arrowhead, you know, in, at the Chiefs' home. Uh, the Bills have struggled on the road. I think that's one key thing I'm looking at here. Bills are one and four on the road and five and two at home. So they're very much up for that home cooking. And this is on the road here. So uh, Chiefs, you know, lost last week, kind of a surprise uh, to the Packers in a way. Uh, I, I, I was kind of thinking about that, but I, I held back a little bit there because, you know, I hate the Packers. So anyway, um, Chiefs, they tend to win the past couple of seasons, obviously. I mean, they're a winning organization, good teams, good coaching. They know how to bounce back after these losses. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs, they've been deadly. I think they'll, you know, the, the, I think that they'll be able to get a turnover off of Josh Allen of some sort. Uh, the, the spread looks like it's two and a half in favor of the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the over here and, in favor of the chiefs, actually, I think that they'll be able to win by, you know, maybe a touchdown or something. I, I I'm, I'm kind of leaning that direction just cause uh, the defense they're still playing well. It's just the offense. They've been up and down, not be able to, you know, uh, put on consistent drives out there. I think that's been their main detractor, but um, I think, yeah, again, you know, they'll be able to bounce back. Uh, Andy Reed, I think he's going to be more determined than ever maybe to take away the play calling duties from Matt Nagy, you know, our beloved Matt Nagy. So I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling fairly good that I think the chiefs uh, come victorious and beat the spread over here. What are your thoughts, Pat? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm going the other way with this one. Um, I think Buffalo's played a lot of teams really tight this year. They could have a completely different record if they just close the door on a lot of these games that they're in, um, you know, last one before the bye was against the Eagles, took them all the way to the brink. I mean, they did have this game kind of slip through their hands, but in the same way, I think that Josh Allen's really uh, reacting well so far to Joe Brady, uh, calling the shots for the offense. Um, feels like folks are getting a little bit more involved. 
glad to see Gabe Davis back on the board. I mean, nothing like the three touchdown performance he had against Casey a couple of years ago, but same sense, like they're always looking for new folks to get involved. Um, and I think they've done a good job at starting to, you know, spread it around, getting Diggs's work as well. But um, this team's just been, I mean, too too close to to a lot of tight games this year to not, you know, prevail in one of these bigger victories. In the same sense for KC, it's like like everything we were talking about last week, we were covering them versus the Packers. It's like they're just not looking right. They're looking a little, you know, off uh, for chief standards. They've they've kind of let games fall through their fingertips too. You know, playing down to the level of their competition. I mean. We all saw the pass interference calls that were missed against MVS Kelsey toward the end of that last game uh, in Green Bay. But in the same sense, it's like, why why does it even have to come to those points for a team like that? I mean, if they're you know battling for for the Super Bowl, uh, like we all expect, you know, them to kind of walk through the AFC and just you know take their throne and kind of see what happens uh, against their opponent in the NFC. It's like they shouldn't be you know in these tight of matchups against teams that are you know, uh, average to, 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 you know, good at best. And it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. They didn't create a lot of pressure against Jordan love, you know, Mahomes for his standards has looked, you know, I don't know, kind of, kind of average, man, honestly, like kind of average this year. I mean, I don't think he's even in the running for MVP. I don't know, you know, (laughs) we'll talk about it when we get there, but it's like, I think there are a handful of quarterbacks this year that have definitely stepped up and have put up way more, you know, counting stats versus a Patrick Mahomes, but also probably meant more, you know, to their team in this regular season. So um, encouraged to see Pacheco, um, you know, go against what I was saying about him last week. I mean, he really had an awesome game on the ground. Like he was, you know, over a hundred yards, but just looked like he was, uh, you know, chopping his way to, you know, extra yards after contact, uh, you know, multiple carries that I watched, uh, you know, in that game. So, um, you know, overall, it's like these teams are very much in the same ballpark as one another. I mean, the Chiefs have had the better year. I just think, you know, I think Buffalo can can get this win. I feel like the last time they matched up, I want to say Buffalo, you know, win over in that matchup. I think they have confidence, you know, confidence enough against the Chiefs to not be, you know, threatened to go into Arrowhead and kind of, you know, seeing Mahomes and defending champs and things like that. So. You know, they need a win. I think they get one here. And uh I think it'll be I think it'll be, you know, about a field goal apart in terms of uh, you know, final score. Yeah. I think yeah, the last matchup the the Bills did what it was like 24, 20, I believe, well last year, right? They try to make it more of an annual tradition now, uh, between Josh Allen and Emma Holmes, especially after that wild playoff uh uh game that they had there. So but yeah, no, they've they've split. I think the past couple of matchups has been back and forth. Uh, I think the past two years between the two. So you know, we'll, we'll definitely see kind of what happens here. But yeah, like you were saying, Patrick Mahomes has not played the be- his best brand of football. Uh, you know, he was I think the front runner, uh, at least on the betting lines for MVP. Now you know it's Brock Purdy that's uh, hurled at everybody, uh, and then Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and Tua are are all ahead of him now. So. Yeah, interesting how the NFL MVP kind of just has, you know, shifted now that Brock Purdy uh, has the full arsenal weapons, you know, with Kyle Shanahan obviously calling the shots there. So, um, and, you know, Jalen Hurts, he has, I think, 10 interceptions now. So, you know, that's, it's it's one of those things for NFL quarterback MVPs that if they have a bunch of interceptions, then, 
they're, they're less likely is that they're going to be having uh, winning the MVP there. So, you know, not too many of those times where Brett Favre, you know, when he won his MVPs and such, where he was passing, you know, and threw like 20 interceptions or 17 interceptions and won the MVP, like those, those were seen as his down years and kind of some similar thing, I think, towards any quarterback uh, against their MVP case. And Brock Purdy, I think he only has like six interceptions compared to like 22 touchdowns at this point of the season. So, yeah, a lot of things, I think, shaping in favor uh, with regards to Mahomes or Brock Purdy for, uh, for MVP as of now. But, yeah, back to the whole game there, like with Bills, Chiefs. Man, yeah, it, it'll be a good one for sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a, I guess I'm a Chiefs fan now in a way. Like I don't know if it's Taylor Swift or what, but I just have a feeling that this Chiefs defense, like they're gonna hold them into this game. So Yeah. I mean, very possible. I would say, you know, Chiefs are obviously the favorites here. Um I imagine a lot of the the you know bets going into this game or you know, analysts that may watch across like Fox CBS, they'll probably put their you know, their picks down for Casey in this one. Um yeah, if Buffalo loses, I mean, I feel like their season's going to be over. So, and I think in a lot of ways, like, they really want to pick this up. I mean, their defense is too good. Their offense has actually been too good this year as well to just kind of fall flat now. So, yeah, they'll need a big one here, but uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, their schedule just, it, it's not the it's not the nicest. I mean, they got a couple good games, but... Yeah, after this Chiefs, I mean they're six and six right now. But after this Chiefs game, um, they got Cowboys, albeit in Buffalo. Uh, Chargers, you know, still a talented team, but and they're going to be playing in LA. Patriots, okay, that's a dub. But then, yeah, then they got the Dolphins and Miami. So yeah, it's not that this definitely is a must win, I think, for them for sure. Yeah, no, I mean they're they're right there. Um, yeah, they need to win, otherwise. I mean, I'm assuming and it's it's kind of crazy to say. I mean, I know like our our favorite Bills fan over at Stuff About Sports would want to fire, you know, Sean McDermott. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, kind of pounding on the table for that one for the last you know few weeks that I've watched over from their content and stuff. But man, it just seems like a coach that's like I don't know what he is like got a 600 plus winning percentage and stuff, and you know has obviously made the Bills super relevant. It's like he could probably get fired, man. He could probably you know, get fired if they've already let go of Ken Dorsey, who I thought they had a lot of respect for. And it's like, this whole thing could could completely change up as we go into the offseason. Yeah, I wonder who, if if he wants that. And I haven't, you know, heard anything what he said about who would replace it. Like, can we get Brian Dable back? Like, get, I mean, Josh Allen played pretty <laughs> well under Brian Dable. So, and he, Dable doesn't really have too much out there right now. You know, I don't know if they can get Caleb or Drake May, I don't know, but. You know, you know what what Josh Allen brings to the table. So yeah, interesting how this thing will shake up. You know, if the Bills aren't able to make the playoffs this season. Yeah, and I'm wondering if the Giants would be interested in that, like maybe like a trade of some kind for the rights to have Dable come back. And I mean, maybe the Giants will look at that too, given how you know this year's gone for them. But uh, yeah. that's an interesting point, and uh, you know, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, in our next one, we've got the Ravens uh, hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Oh man, this this is a great matchup. I think you know. I'm glad you picked this one uh, to kind of cover here. But you know, Lamar and Harbaugh as like favorites, especially for like six points or higher, they they tend to not do well against the spread at least. So you know, Cooper Cup 
on the Rams side, he's healthy, just hasn't played up to kind of where he's been at, at least in historically. So um, we'll see if he's able to break out a little bit more, maybe in this game. Uh, do you want to give out a shout for sure to Puka Nakua? Like, if it weren't for CJ Stroud in this historic, you know, QB season, right? Like, he would definitely be number one with regards to the NFL Rookie of the Year race. Just, he's got a thousand yards plus now, 77 receptions, I think, the last time I checked. So, like, put, having a marvelous season, where would the Rams be without them? Um, but, you know, Rams, they're they're in the playoff picture, actually. They're in the playoff picture at the moment, I think, right at that seventh seed there. So, um, you know, they're definitely fighting to keep that, keep themselves in, in at play there. Uh, look great against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, blew out the, the Browns as well. So they're they're coming in hot against what many call, at least you know, right now, as maybe probably the top contender in the AFC, just given the way that the uh, the Chiefs have been playing it recently. So all that being said, you know, hey, look, I'm looking at the spread right now. It's at seven in favor of the Ravens. Definitely give me give me the the under. I think for the the Rams to cover, I think the Rams will definitely cover uh, just the way that they've played. Um, will they win? You know, I'm going to, I'm still going to go with the Ravens for the dub here, you know, call me playing the favorites a little bit and reluctant to kind of give, you know, a road victory, uh, to, you know, an underdog here, but you know, I'm also a Ravens, uh, kind of fan as well. So I'm going to say that the Ravens, the defense, they'll help pull it off, uh, for them, you know, off the Ravens offense hasn't looked great. And, you know, the Rams run defense, I think they're middle of the pack and the Ravens, that's kind of what they do. So I think they'll be able to run the ball just enough and, you know, hopefully they don't uh, uh, commit enough turnovers uh, for the Rams to take advantage of here. But yeah, I'm going to pick the Ravens to win, but I think the Rams, they'll cover that seven spread. And I got the Rams to win. I'm going to oh! take them going into Baltimore and, and doing it, man. Stafford looked amazing last week. Like you were saying with Nakua, um others kyron williams is back i mean he's put up a couple of monster performances back to back you know weeks since coming off his own injury um this offense looks like it's clicking into high gear um i want to say the browns are number one in defense or were very close to that going into last week and you know the rams just kind of had their way um for me baltimore you know coming off a of bye so they got a little bit of rest but you know the week prior just felt like you know looked looked a little you know kind of flat Again, like nobody really had, you know, any sort of marquee performances. They are, you know, looking for answers, I think, without Mark Andrews uh, on the outside. I mean, it, you know, you go down that roster and it's kind of like, all right, well, who are your number one, number two options, you know, kind of going across the offense. Um, I think that puts a lot more, you know, pressure on Lamar Jackson. I think he's the kind of guy who needs, you know, all the help he can get in the offensive game. I mean, I love obviously his athleticism and everything he does on the ground with his feet. But I think when he has those superior weapons is where, you know, he becomes extremely dangerous. He's got all sorts of options and things like that. It's kind of you know hard to predict what the offense is really going to call. Um, I don't know. Just for me, it feels like Baltimore, we get to this time of year, you know, year after year. And they've got that opportunity to cement themselves as, you know, the best team in the league or, you know, taking that next step. And I feel like they at times kind of always, always take one back and it's like, they end up, you know, finding themselves in the middle of the pack in the playoff, um, you know, tree for what it is. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, the Rams, um, you know, they're playing 500 ball. They're completely um, unpredictable as well. I mean, they're they're prone to, you know, big losses and, 
you know, luckily they've been super competitive this year. Um, but, you know, just with the way they came out last week and kind of seeing like what momentum they could build, uh, you know, with a win in Baltimore, I think it's totally possible. And uh, yeah, I don't know. My gut's just telling me pick the Rams and uh, I'm going to do that. I mean, hey, I, I they're playing the the best football all, all year, right? I think f- uh, for them. So like you mentioned, Stafford uh, having one of his better seasons, you know, of late, like kind of playing that where, where he was playing at, uh, at at that Super Bowl level, at least right now. And he's developed that chemistry with Nakua. Um, so maybe you know, more so needs to develop a little bit more with uh, Cooper Cup a little bit more. I, I don't know how how much how banged up he is right right now at the moment but yeah their defense has been playing pretty solid and keeping teams at bay and you know i just think that yeah maybe they're i i like isaiah likely i think likely you know in my opinion he's underrated from the ravens perspective he he's predominantly more, more so of a pass catching tight end so from from that perspective i don't see there's much of a a downfall necessarily with regards to the production of mark andrews versus say isaiah likely for the uh uh, from the receiving standpoint, like he's got some skill sets there um, where he isn't, you know, where he's lacking obviously is Mark Andrews size and blocking skills and, you know, the, the run uh, more so in the run game. So that's, that's where I see it a little bit more so of, but um, that could take some time to, you know, time to develop and gel, give the confidence, you know, to go to likely in those scenarios where uh, Lamar Jackson would more so go to market or where Lamar Jackson would go to, Mark Andrews, right, in those clutch third down moments, which he oftentimes looked at him for. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I still think they have enough wide receiving core. I, I do believe, though, that Lamar Jackson hasn't – I mean, he hasn't he hasn't necessarily committed as many mistakes, right? But he hasn't really, like you – know, I think he only has, like, 13 touchdowns uh, passing-wise, you know, so far this season. Not, not too much production in terms of scoring, so – uh, definitely needs more production there in the red zone. And, you know, obviously he's had uh, some miscues there, there, especially in the fourth quarter, fumbling the ball. But otherwise, you know, he's he's had like more so of a safer, I guess, game plan for him passing wise. But you know, I, I want to see them unleash the ball a little bit, but easier said than done against a t- tough uh, Rams defense here. But I, I respect your pick. I respect your pick, uh, especially, yeah, seven point underdogs. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be taking the, the, the Rams there, uh, for that. So, but winning wise, that's hard to say. That's hard to say. I'll stop there. I'll stop there. (laughs) Yeah. My only, my only pushback I would say with likely is that he's very boomer bust. I mean, I feel like there's weeks where he will absolutely show up. Uh, they will concentrate on feeding him. You know, he will stand out in the box scores. There's other weeks where it's like, yeah, it's hard to know where he kind of falls in the in the pecking order. Um, I just feel like, you know, Andrews is just such a bona fide stud at tight end. He's been a year in, year out pro bowler. Like, that's just got to be such a confidence blower for that team, even if likely steps in and, you know, can get you seven to eight catches, um, you know, create some sort of offense and things like that. I just feel like he's still early on in his career. I mean, I think he's got, like you're saying, like a lot of talent to build on those performances that he had where he kind of jaw dropped and said like, wow, never really, you know, considered likely. And like this guy, yeah, this guy could be something to, you know, to kind of emphasize in the offense, but um, yeah, man, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Baltimore is just, it's just such a hard team to predict, man. It's always, 
it's always one that I'm just scratching my head at because I never know when they're ready to take that next step or if it's just going to be just another year out of Baltimore. Yeah, or, or or they get hurt, right? Like that's, that's this is usually a time of year, right, where the the Ravens like the injury bug kind of kicks in. I mean, like you mentioned, they you know obviously Andrews you know lost for the remainder of the season and everything. So you know, uh, hopefully they keep healthy, uh, especially on the offensive side. I don't think they can lose any more uh, talent, uh, especially I think on the offensive line. You know, they've uh, recently they just got. Uh, uh, Moses back, I think at right tackle. So it's like, you know, they're, they're starting to gear up a little bit, but obviously losing Andrews, that's such a big blow, you know, almost to the extent of like, if Mahomes lost Kelsey, like kind of like that, like we saw that they lost to the lions there first week. And we saw that net effect of just, you know, who am I going to pass it to? And it, it kind of still is happening. Right. But yeah, very much. So I think with Lamar and Andrews and, trying to have that confidence to go to like likely or, or to other wide receivers in those third downs, you know? Yeah, we will see, um, you know, still waiting for that blow up ODB game. Uh, hasn't quite come. I think Zay flowers been like their, I don't know, their key cog this year, uh, you know, in the offense, I mean, over the, over the course of the season, but we'll have to see, this should be an interesting game. If it's available wherever you're at, I would tune in. Cause I think this will be uh, kind of interesting to see where the Rams kind of, you know, are ranked in the mix of teams that could vie for playoffs. And also, you know, how, how dominant can the Ravens be uh, to kind of close out the year? Um, I guess with that, we'll move on to our next matchup, the Detroit Lions going on the road to take on our Chicago Bears. Man, oh man. Look, hey, hey, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to pick the Bears here, like straight up. I think they get the money line. I think they win. They pull off the upset, you know. Like, hey, let's remember last game just a couple weeks ago, right, against the Lions in Detroit, in Detroit, right? And this was Justin Fields' first game back. And, you know, hey, I we, we both, like, have uh, talked how the offensive play calling has been awful for the Bears. But, you know, at least against the Lions, I think they did some good things. Um, you know, maybe they played conservatively and didn't hold the lead uh strategically right there in the fourth quarter I, that was obviously the biggest thing there but they were being the the lions they were able to move the ball pretty effectively and efficiently you know had that ball control type of offense um got, created turnovers against this lions team as well which you know they've they, they've been able to play some pretty clean football but yeah i don't know if that's at soldier field in chicago i'm feeling pretty good here uh, if I'm a Bears fan a little bit, um, would I like to see maybe our, our draft pick uh, you know, continue to rise a little bit? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, I think it, it'd be nice. You know, I, I think there's a lot of desperation happening right now at House Hall in Chicago, right? Uh, there's a lot of reports of Matt Eberflus, like him, uh, like this is his last season, basically. And, you know, all, all this talk about Eric Bieniemy maybe, or or uh, Harbaugh. So, uh and and then also Justin Fields too. So Justin Fields, he still has to ball out, kind of see like, all right, is this the guy we want to keep, or do we want Caleb Williams? Do we want Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know, right? So all that's being happening right now. But I, you know, we when we looked at the game that happened previously. I'm kind of hoping a little bit to see some continuity, some improvement based off of the last performance against the Lions again at Detroit, and you know, hopefully they are able to still create turnovers and such. I mean. The Bears defense has been playing really well. Eddie Jackson, maybe not his brightest moment when he 
kind of gave up that fourth quarter touchdown. It's like a 30, 40 yarder. I'm like, come on, man. Like, like that's like the one thing you're not supposed to do. So I'm going to pick the bears. Uh, it's a three point spread, but yeah, I'm going to pick them pulling off the upset here against the lions. Man, love the confidence. Uh, <laughs> love it. I feel like you're in your right to pick the bears because of their matchup in Detroit how they showed up and went into Minnesota and got a, a big win, even though it was one of the ugliest football games ever, you know, recorded uh, on live television. But <laughs> I don't know, man, it, there's just something about, you know, Detroit and the way that they're set up, the way that they played, even on the road in New Orleans last week. I mean, I feel like, you know, getting Goff's attempts down, he had a really solid game for himself, no turnovers, uh, just playing pitch and catch, you know, emphasizing the run. You've got two of the better, you know, backs there and probably one of the best offensive lines in the game. Just keep the game simple, you know, for yourself. Um, you know, keep feeding it to Monty and Gibbs. Uh, I love the fact that Laporta had a blow-up game of his own. He's had a lot of great performances this year to kind of go along with Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, they're the number two total offense in the game right now, which is, you know, just impressive. Uh, coming out of Detroit, it's it's kind of crazy to even say that. Um for the Bears, I mean, the defense has been what I've been most impressed with, you know, and just their progress over the course of the year. I mean, they're they're moving their way into the top 10 uh, in terms of total D, which is just kind of crazy from where we were even a few weeks ago. So, I mean, the turnovers keep coming. Uh, you know, the pressure is now starting to come. It's like I can see, you know, where this team might be, you know, going into next year and just being you know, one of the most stout units in the game, possibly. I mean, that's kind of crazy, again, to say, but it's like I can see that progression coming, you know, from them as a unit. And, uh, you know, like you're saying, we'll see what happens with coaching, whether it's, uh, you know, Eberflus is still somehow some way into the mix or, you know, I, I would hate to see <laughs> uh, the enemy come over. I mean, nothing against the guys, like, past experiences. I just don't know if it's, like, the greatest fit at this point in time for us, like, with what he – you know, it's probably going to be best, you know, at working with, um, you know, I take him over others that are, you know, completely off the radar, but in the same sense, we'll just kind of have to see. But I yeah. think the thing that the bears are probably going to struggle with a lot is just, just, just putting some offense together. I mean, I feel like, you know, Detroit doesn't necessarily come in with, you know, one of the higher ranked units in the game, but they did apply a lot of pressure um, in their game against the saints. I feel like they were getting a lot of QB hits, uh, you know, causing, you know, Carr and Winston to kind of play on their heels, uh, you know, at points in the game and things like that. Um, it's tough for me to say, man. I don't think this is going to be like a very like lopsided type game. I don't see Detroit coming in and, you know, embarrassing the Bears or anything like that. But, you know, they've been playing great football all year. Um, I think people are waiting for them to kind of fall on their faces and things. But I think they are um, just a really well-rounded team. I think they've probably learned from a couple weeks ago and, you know, knowing not to take them lightly as they go into, you know, the Bears house now. And uh, for the Bears, it's like, yeah, that just that offense is so puzzling to me. Like, I just, it's not, it's not really an offense, like an NFL offense at this point. So I'm like, I'm just wondering, you know, how they're going to be able to, uh, you know, go blow for blow with, with a team like the Lions. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I I mean... I definitely agree upon, I guess, you know, hey, this Lions offense, uh, it's 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 remarkable. And I'll definitely talk about, you know, 
kind of uh, foreshadowing some of my non-quarterback MVPs there a little bit more later on. But yeah, this Lions team is, you know, the line that they have too, I think they'll be able to maybe move the ball. If the Bears are able to stop, you know, Montgomery from picking up those first downs and Gibbs as well, like that'll be, I think, a key thing. I I doubt that uh, Goff is going to throw, what, three interceptions or something. So, and, you know, commit for four turnovers. I doubt that's going to happen. You know, maybe they get one or two, but still, that's going to be really difficult, I think, to count on for this Bears team. But I don't know. I, I think that Justin Fields in the offense, you know, Hopefully they don't have the offensive game plan that they had against the Vikings. I know this whole idea that the Vikings blitzed a bunch. And that's kind of why they did the, the, you know all these screens. But I'm like, you gotta. There's there's other plays that work against the screens, and they actually did some like that whole Cole Komet on the fourth down, fourth and ten, I think it was like that worked. So, anyways, like yeah, there's got to be much more offensive uh, ingenuity, I think, in this modern day age of you know how do I counteract the blitz, right? So. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I am curious, you know, not to go off completely off topic. Like, you know, you, you, you talked about the enemy. We've talked about like Ben Johnson. All, like what, who would be like your head coach ranking, you know, as a Bears fan for the, for the Bears head coaching spot? Yeah. I mean, Harbaugh for sure is my number one. I just think he comes with so much experience as a head coach, uh, multiple different, um, you know, types of teams. I mean, we're, we're talking a bit about college, but we're also looking at San Francisco and his run there. Um, his familiarity and feel for the NFL game, I think is a lot better than most college coaches, just given, you know, his time there, but also his brother just being in the league as well. I just always feel like, you know, those, those two kind of seem to rub off on one another. And I'd, I'd love to have like a real bona fide NFL head coach. Like, I think the only thing I worry about is like maybe just some of the you know, just how big of an event that's going to be to have Harbaugh be perhaps the Bears head coach. Like, will it become such a three ring circus that it, you know, distracts from the actual football and the actual coaching and development that a lot of these kids really need? You know, we've seen like the Lou Pinella hires in Chicago or the Ozzie Gians and, you know, other things like that. It's just I hope that doesn't become kind of a distraction. Um, when we were talking a lot last week, you know, looking at guys who could really, you know, help Justin, you know, develop his game. Um, you know, I think again, I'm, I'm looking at, I mean, I think Ben Johnson, what he's done with the lions, you know, getting them to being one of the best offenses in the league with, with, with the personnel that they have. I mean, I think Amon Ross St. Brown, um, is, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, but then, you know, taking a lot of rookies and making them, you know, extremely credible in their first years and, you know, getting Monty to look like a pro bowl running back and Jared Goff, you know, rediscovering his magic, uh, with Detroit. I mean, it says a lot, and I think his name's been thrown around so much around the league that it's like I'm really interested in seeing what he could be. Um, I've also thrown out names like you know Brian Johnson, OC of uh, you know Philly, just his work with Hertz and you know his development. So I think that'd be you know a nice compliment to Justin if you know, and, and hopefully we're keeping Justin in that situation. And then you know perhaps a guy like Byron Leftwich, like you know, I just think he's he's been around the block. He's been a name that's been discussed. I think a lot of folks like want to give him the job and just don't pull the trigger. And it's like, he's a former quarterback in this league. He's worked with a lot of greats over his time, you know, as a coach in this league. So I just think he'd be a good fit. You know, I just think he'd be a you know, wise fit, but that'd probably be my hierarchy of guys. Um, be enemy credible, you know, in terms of having the right experience to deserving, you know, a head coaching role, obviously being an OC, 
I think he definitely has one of the 32 jobs in this league for as long as he wants. Um, it's just, you know, coming over from Washington, what has he actually demonstrated? I mean, I'm glad Sam Howell has shown like some potential and like he's, he's been on and he's been way off, you know, get, you know, depending on the week, but you know, overall, like, do we want to be pulling from the commander's, you know, coaching tree to, to solve the issues that we have here? Like, has he demonstrated enough over there to show us that, you know, number one, he's capable of not being tied to Patrick Mahomes, but then also taking that next step and being like a legitimate head, you know, head coach in this league with, with all the things that, you know, we need to check off our list as a team. It's like, that seems incredibly risky to me, even given his experience, but that's just where I'm coming from. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of feeling that it's like Harbaugh almost or bust for a lot of Bears fans, you know? I think we're more so kind of just desperate to really land that home run, right? Um, you brought up the the Isaacian or the Lupinella, some somebody that you know uh, is kind of just loud <laughs> in a way, but larger than life, right? But in a way, I feel like that's kind of like what works in Chicago. We said for a coach, some you know, for for oftentimes. I mean, Lovey Smith was like you know very mellow and low key, right? But then I think a lot of Bears fans they kind of want somebody like a Harbaugh just in his personality a little bit from the Bears coach like you know Ditka like ruled the town basically right so and he was very much larger than life um and you know but then Harbaugh he has a history of winning wherever he goes whether it be college or the NFL so I know there's a lot of hope for him but it, it just always feels like he, this kind of happens like every other year with Harbaugh and you know he's already been part of the Bears organization so he kind of knows in a way like maybe some of our short followings a little bit more, maybe he's more familiar than some other ones, but um, I don't know. It, it's definitely, a, we'll see, I think with regards to Harbaugh, maybe this is all smoky mirrors for him just to stay at Michigan. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say exactly. So, um, but I think my pick, and you know, I've, I've talked about it for sure. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm probably eyeing at Bobby Slowick a little bit just because of, what he's been able to do there with CJ Stroud. Um, another name, maybe much more so on the offensive coordinator, or at least as a quarterback's coach. I think he's a kind of a free agent coach out there is bringing in Pep Hamilton, who's worked with uh, Andrew Locke in college. And I think he was also like his OC coordinator there uh, with the Colts for a little bit, you know, for his rookie season, as well as he's helped develop, you know, uh, Justin Herbert as well. And then, even Davis Mills, like, you know, nobody thought of him last year when he was with uh, the Texans, but he actually had a pretty decent, like, you know, uh, a year with the Texans there. So, uh, and, you know, he he's more so not the backup now that CJ Stroud's there, obviously. But, you know, yeah, I think he he's definitely a good uh, coach that can develop more so those, those skill sets that Justin Field feels, I feel like is lacking more so of that, you know. Davis Mills or a player like Davis Mills can uh, uh, has right. So I don't know, just a couple of names there for sure, but there definitely is a sentiment though. Harbaugh has got to be the guy. If he is great, it's going to satisfy the Bears fans. But if it's not, it's like ah, oh, all right. I guess we'll have to stick through you know another cold, cold winter. You know, losing to the Packers more. But I don't know. Yeah, just uh, just some thoughts. I think I was kind of thinking about there. Yeah, I mean, those are other good names, too. Um, we absolutely need Alabama to pound Michigan in the CFP because if that happens, that for me, if I was Jim Harbaugh, would like 
would completely yeah. kill my dreams of like winning national championships at Michigan. It might be the impetus to like wanting to move the NFL. But if he happens yeah. to win that first round and they happen to fall in the final or something, he might get hungry to go back and see if he can climb that mountaintop. Or if they happen to win a championship, he might be like, Hey man, it's time to start my own dynasty here at Michigan or something. So, um, yeah. you know, nothing against uh, the Wolverines or anything like that. But if we want Harbaugh to be our coach, like I feel like that that'd be one domino that has to fall immediately. I mean, I don't know if you've been following this whole Florida state thing at all. Like that's another whole <laughs> subject about whether, I don't know for me it's like, yeah, the, the SEC, like, let's be real. Let's be real. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't some sort of uh, a feel good type of thing of like, okay, great. Like, Florida, no, no, no. Alabama would have rocked them. Alabama would have rocked Florida State. And I've been cheering about Florida State, about, oh, like, with Jordan Travis there as a quarterback, like, I thought that they were going to go for the national championship. But, you know, especially with that defense and the wide receivers, I thought they were actually going to win it all. But, yeah, backup quarterback, this isn't the NFL. This isn't the NFL. You keep, yeah, it's not Cardell Jones again. So, I don't know. I, I, I was actually kind of – I was impressed that the college football – committee right actually were to do that because i think they made the right choice like when people actually think about it but you know the, the people definitely want that whole oh man they won all the games and they're part of a college you know uh, power five and all that but um anyways yeah i just wanted to get off that off that chest uh, off my chest yeah uh, college football playoff <laughs> committee you did it right you did it right everybody else they're just gonna talk but this alabama team like come on let's be real that the the that Florida State offense they they're basically gonna, they're going to look like an Iowa uh, football offense right or basically how that uh, New England Patriots versus uh, Steelers game is going to look like on Thursday night they're they're going to do nothing against uh, the teams currently right now in the the football playoff just my opinion just my opinion on all that yeah so we started with lions bears and now we're talking cfp florida state now they've been <laughs> shafted here i mean i'm actually to be honest with you though i'm on the complete opposite end of this argument and i i hear okay so i i also think that alabama and georgia would most likely you know dominate any of those teams that are kind of currently in the cfp i mean to be honest with you i think that they're you know, of a different ilk, but it's like, I think the problem that I have with it is Texas beat Bama, Bama beat Georgia. And there's one team that's just not been defeated. You have, you know, five power conferences in this, in this whole collegiate system. And one goes undefeated from one of those power five. And you're saying that, you know, you don't have a seat at the table. You don't even get an opportunity to, you know, possibly get destroyed. I mean, we saw TCU, you know, TCU, um, you know, make their way into the national title game and, you know, they, they got crushed, but they did happen to win a game on their way there. Um, you know, I just think it's like what, you know, obviously we know like next year we go into, we got 12 teams. We open this whole thing up. It makes a hell of a lot more sense. I mean, it'll make this whole process way easier to, uh, to contemplate like anybody bitching about not being the 12 seed, like save it. But it's like, you know, if you're just going to have four seeds and you're going to try to find the way to uh, to make that work, to me, it it just it doesn't make any sense to leave out a team that's undefeated, that won their conference. And I know we could all be upset about the SEC not having a spot, but like, 
maybe this is a year you just don't have the spot because you guys didn't win in those situations that you needed to, to get yourself cemented there. Um, I'm on the wrong side of this argument because we know what the reality is, but it's like, I would just think one of those SEC teams, if that's what you're up against, like one of you guys lost to Texas. So that's going to be a knock against you. Like the, the team that has to fill that slot has to be undefeated as well. And, and that just didn't happen. So um it's a fresh debate, but <laughs> it deviates away from the Lions Bears for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting how we made this like whole whole transition there. Um, but like one more point, at least the criteria, and this I'm definitely in favor of blowing up to twelve teams, right? I think at least the criteria that was presented to the committee, and and this is the fault of the criteria is they ought to just say that, like they ought to just say that, but that ought to be in the rules more so of. You get you're undefeated. You get the conference championship. Boom! You gotta you gotta be like that. Ought to be part of the criteria of more so pumping up there. But it's not. You know what is like having uh, quality players or something something along those language, right? Having those quality players that we we believe can make an impact. That you know, basically the talent level is there, right? And that's definitely where it's like losing that Jordan Travis, albeit the re- the remainder of the team is really good. And, you know, people say about, like, Jordan Travis, he didn't win the Heisman, or he wasn't a Heisman candidate and all that. It's like, yeah, because he got hurt this, the last couple of games, so therefore that killed his candidacy. Like, that's just kind of how it works. And, you know, was he a Heisman candidate kind of before? Maybe a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting debate or talk or conversation to have. And maybe that's just their whole thing. They just want us to give us one last uh hurrah i think for this whole college football playoff thing yeah it's just funny to me because i've never seen you know teams players get analyzed based on what their perspective you know performance is going to be i mean it's like it's kind of it's kind of like sets its own precedent to me because if you look at mvps you look at you know any other accolades you could shower on players, usually you're looking at what happened in the regular season. You're not really counting like their performance in the playoffs. And like those awards don't change as the playoffs move forward and things like that. So I'm kind of like <laughs> looking at the situation, thinking to myself, like, has there not been another team that's like lost their starting quarterback and had to go to backups to get into the CFP? Like hasn't Bama been in that situation where they've lost, you yeah. know, they've gone from Hertz to Tua to Mac Jones, things like that, or, some combination of, of sorts where, you know, the starter goes down, you got to play your backup to, yeah. to just spell it. But if you're one of the top teams in the, in the whole country, like if you're, if you're undefeated, even if you think the conference is not as great as the SEC or whatever else it could be, it's just like, don't you think that team's capable enough of like having another four or five star recruit to step in and like get a couple of weeks to prepare whatever it is and just play to their best. And they still have like a bunch of NFL prospects on the roster. Like, yeah. I just think it's just a bunch of shit. Like it's it's all crazy, man. It's all like to me, it's this big black curtain, and only a few yeah. can can really see what's underneath there. And I mean, Richard Sherman threw out the point of like, you know, there's definitely you know dollars being passed over to you know this actual committee from the SEC and things. Hey, I, I don't know anything about that. I, if anything ever was to happen, like, would I be shocked? Like, no. But I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, I just kind of. I kind of see it as like <laughs> it's it's just a it's just a strange it's just a strange call to make and I think it's a harder one to defend than if you were to take it the other way. Like if you had put Florida State in there, I think it'd be an, a harder 
an easier way to explain why Alabama is not in versus why Florida State is not. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. But yeah, they are just ready to roll in. Hey, glad that the uh, it's going to go to twelve teams. I think next season. So, because uh, yeah, then Georgia would be in play too, and like you know they 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 they're a quality team as well. So they just happen to lose to yeah Alabama this time, right? So yeah, right. Like, have you also ever seen like a number one seed just get? completely you know like in yeah. one very close miss loss <laughs> it's completely been has completely been like just like you the whole season was anymore. nothing they yeah, yeah. Like, how do you go from one to not even being considered like it is just crazy to me so um oh. thank god the system is uh getting flushed down the toilet it is it is terrible <laughs> and uh man just looking forward to uh you know seeing what happens with harbaugh of michigan so that we can figure yes. out who the bears coach will be yeah, beyond week 14, the matchup between more the Bears importantly, and yeah, more importantly, does Harbaugh <laughs> join the Bears? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and we got to it. Wayne has the Bears winning, I've got the Lions winning reluctantly, and we'll see how it goes. No Bears, bear down. Final matchup the Philadelphia Eagles go on the road to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, so I mean, this is definitely going to be interesting, I think, right now. Uh, Hurts, he's been he's been banged up. Like I don't, he looks hurt out there. <laughs> no pun intended. Actually, Hurts looks a little hurt. Like he's he's not been playing the best of late. Um, Abi's got against you know got, has gone against some pretty good teams. I think of late as well. It's just he has not played at that MVP caliber that he was right. You know, uh, kind of the ten weeks into the season here. So, uh, but Prescott and the Cowboys they've been playing exceptionally well. Prescott. Is now like moving up into the MVP talks a little bit more so of Cowboys. They're also undefeated at home. This game being in Dallas, and you know, I think I've mentioned that before. Like they just look like tremendous. They score forty points, just like you can staple it right there. Especially even against this Eagles team. But even again, like this Eagles team, you know, especially against that talented uh, 49ers team, they looked very, very vulnerable there. Uh, you know, they're giving up points, so. And I think, yeah, against Dallas at home, against this really high-powered offense that they, they just seem to have this magic uh, in Dallas. Like, you know, there's, I think to the point that David Carr, right, like we can talk about him as an analyst. He's been saying, like, hey, Eagles, maybe you ought to start Mariota. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> stupid stuff like that. No obviously. way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no way, no way. Like the quarterback that got sent like, like 70 times or something like that, a rookie seat. Rookie season? Uh, come on. We, yeah, like, what What takes do you got to say? Anyway, um, yeah, I, yeah, the Eagles, uh, this is tough. Three and a half favorites uh, in favor of the Cowboys, actually, here. I think it's, I think the Cowboys, like, there's a lot of things to think in favor of the Cowboys. There's the momentum, the way that they've been playing, like, you know, played a pretty close game there against the, the, the Seahawks. And, you know, at home, like, just the way that they play at home and then the Eagles, the way that they've been playing at the moment. I'm going to go actually with the Cowboys here. I know it's a little bit weird, right, to kind of say out loud. And part of me is like, what the hell am I thinking? But at the same time, just the way that the Cowboys have been playing, you know, I have a lot more confidence with them right now. And, you know, hey, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. So I feel like Dad Prescott, maybe, you know, he can uh, break away from losing some of these big games here. But yeah, I got the Cowboys, uh, and I think that they'll cover, actually, that three-and-a-half-point spread there. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, they're besting oh. the Eagles in pretty much all important categories here, offense, defense, <laughs> takeaways. I mean, they're significantly better than the Eagles in all those components of the game right now. Um, like you're saying, Eagles are sputtering. Um, they've played some really close ones up until last week's blowout loss to the Niners. I mean, they gave up 456 yards of offense to the to the 49ers. I mean, I love what the Niners have right now, and I love the way they're playing football. They look like the mm-hmm. Super Bowl favorites, in my opinion, to this point. But in the same sense, uh, you know, as far as the Eagles go, it's just been like that defense has just continually fallen off from the start of this year. We actually like thought they looked dangerous and we're all talking about that front four and how deep they are. You know, linebacker, the secondary is stacked with all these stars and things like that. It's just like that team quit, man. I was watching that game last week and it was just, you know, big play after big play, missed tackles, um, guys not running up and making, you know, making those hits, no gang tackles whatsoever. But he was basically going out there solo. I mean, I saw Blankenship, who was like their last, um, last resort out there. I mean, he was like basically on his knees, like just, just kind of like waffling at guys running by him, whether it was Samuel or, you know, McCaffrey, whoever. So I don't know, man, they, they look a little bit lost right now. It doesn't help that they got to go into Dallas, uh, especially after that hard fought victory they got in Philly against Dallas, where it it was basically a game of inches. I mean, it came down to a game of inches and Dallas is absolutely thinking about that. And, they're just playing with an all-time high in confidence. Like for me, crazy to say, would never say it. Like, but Dak has been the MVP this year, in my opinion. Like, as a quarterback, you know, as far as his counting stats go, as far as his team's performance goes, like he is working with one of the better defenses in the league. He's got some great weapons, but he's also made them, you know, very, very like he's he's done he's done everything that's been asked of him this year and more. Um, do I think Dak, you know, Dak's ultimately like a top 10 talent, even at the quarterback position? Like it's debatable. Like, I, I don't think so. Check back in with me next year. But like <laughs> to this point, you have to look at him as the MVP um, in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, CD is is right there as well, uh, just in terms of his production over the course of the year. And and now they're getting Ferguson involved more often cooks like Pollard is, you know, playing more to his standards of what we thought he would be coming into this year. You know, Deron Bland, again, as another pick, like he's just he's just kind of a blanket out there uh, in coverage. And, you know, Parsons gets to the quarterback better than anybody I've seen in this game. So, um, yeah, man, at home, only three and a half. If I was placing bets, I'd go way over. I think this is like, I don't know, man, it could be a 10 point or above type victory for them. But if I was, you know, having a sports app, uh you know, type account for, you know, DraftKings or whatever else I would be going way over on the, on Dallas, uh, you know, with the win, with, you know, covering the spread. And I would be sharing it all around the Sharps app to make sure all my friends knew exactly what I was doing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Nice plug in there for sure. But no, I agree. Like if you, <laughs> you know, put Dak Prescott's like stats in there, like right, right next to like Brock Purdy's, it pretty much stacks up like basically the same or if not better, like he, he has more touchdowns. Uh, you know, about the same yardage. I think Purdy just has a better QB rating, but that's about it, right? Like, basically the same kind of stats. And you know, uh, I mean, both teams, both offenses are stacked in general. But you know, Prescott, like, there was that. My maybe my argument would be like, hey, look, Purdy, when he lost Debo Samuel and and Trent Williams, like, 
he looked very amateur out there. And then, oh, now they're back. Okay, now let's throw up 30 points and, you know, go back to my normal normal ways, right? It's like, I don't know, Prescott, like he'll have some injuries here and there, but he still kind of plays consistently on that level. And he doesn't have, I mean, Pollard's, you know, solid, especially in the fantasy. I think he's top 10, right? But then he's not McCaffrey, right? So I feel like he's got a little less weapons uh, than Purdy, yet he's having similar, you know, productions basically on, on every single stat line. So, yeah, like I would definitely, I mean, I would, I, at least this season, right? I think Prescott has had an impeccable season, even compared to like Brock Purdy. So I would de- basically defend your point of, hey, I think he is actually the MVP over Brock Purdy so far this season. You know, still got a couple games to go. But yeah, like, I don't know. That's my argument is that Brock Purdy, when he doesn't have all the weapons there, he looks very normal. And, you know, Prescott, he's had some injuries here and there on, on his team too, but he's definitely kept out that production, you know, to at a higher level. So I agree on that. And yeah, this I think this game will be kind of done by th- the third quarter if if we're b- kind of both predicting what we're predicting here. So yeah, I mean, if I was to offer you a trade, if I was Dallas and I said, I want to trade all of my offensive weapons to you, San Francisco, for yours. I mean, what would your answer be? <laughs> if I trade all of Dallas's offensive weapons to, was it the Niners? To, said? Yeah, I'm offering you all of my offensive weapons from oh, Dallas, and I want. Oh all... no, yeah, I'll, I'll be like, are you it, kidding me? Like, are you yeah drunk <laughs> or whatever? Like, it, yeah, it, exactly. And I think that's the point of like. When yeah. you look at Dak's season, it's like, think about that because, I mean, no disrespect to Purdy or anything like that, but, like, I mean, Dak, I mean, his mark on on his team this year, like, seriously, like, I, I, I'm i really, and we've thought about this. We are thinking about this. We'll move into this topic after this game, but it's sure. like, mm-hmm. think about MVP candidates. Like, he's really, he's really taking the bull by the horns this year. Yeah, no, and I, I, I 100% agree. Again, look at the stat line, like, you know, it's very close with regards to everything, but yeah, if you look at the whole body of makeup, like apart from the stat line, I'm going to pick Dak Prescott's, uh, you know, his performance overall, just nine out of 10 times versus what Brock Purdy has been able to do uh, with the talent level he's had too. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's both of us uh, really championing, uh, you know, an MVP season here for Dak. Uh, we'll get back to you when they get the first round exit. But for right now, <laughs> Dak Prescott, you're getting your flowers here in week 14. We'll see how this game goes. But uh, I guess while we're staying on MVPs, um, this was a topic that we threw around. Uh, really, really like looking forward to this too. Just, just talking about MVP candidates. And I'd first like to say that like, Looking at this season, I think this is the first season in a very long time where you can actually look at players across the league and just take out the quarterback. I mean, I think there hasn't been, you know, too many quarterbacks where we could clearly say, like, that's been the best player, you know, has had the most impact on his team to win games this season. I think, you know, defenses for some of the best teams in this league have really stepped up. You know, a lot of their weapons obviously have been complete game breakers, like getting you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, stats and scores like on the board and things like that. So I guess with that, uh, Wayne and I are just going to go back and forth. We're going to have a top five, uh, seeing where we kind of rank them. But honestly, it's it's going to be kind of labeled as non-quarterback MVP candidates. But for me as well, these are legitimate MVP candidates, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I never said, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to go back and forth on this. And 
Now it's gonna be fun because like you mentioned, like what like who would have thought like oh Dak Prescott's the MVP of the season, right? Uh there just hasn't been that whole like Patrick Mahomes like you know scheduled to get like fifty touchdowns type of season right now and just kind of way that the that things have been kind of unfolding so far. So definitely looking forward to I guess talking about the non-quarterbacks, getting giving them some love there, you know? For sure. Um so I guess let, let's start with you, your number five uh, non-quarterback MVP candidate. Yeah, number five. Do you want to throw out some honorable mentions here uh, real quick? Sure. I do have sure. – yeah, I want to get – yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> real quick, real quick. I want to give some props to A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, and, you know, uh, uh, my fringe pick here, uh, Deron Bland. I, I kind of edged another person in front of you for this, so – uh, but but number five, not to you know go off tangent again here. Uh, I got I got Panay Sewell. I got Panay Sewell actually. I'm picking offensive tackle right uh, as an MVP. I think if you ask any 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 like Detroit Lions fan right, who is the best player on our offense right? Like a true De- Detroit Lions fan, who are they gonna say? Are they gonna say like it's just in terms of ch- uh, sheer talent? And, you know, even maybe where they rank at the position, right? Like, Panay Sewell, he's playing the best. He's the best tackle right now in football. At least, I think, according to PFF, uh, he's he allowed his first sack of the season, of the season, this just this past week against the Saints. He hasn't, before that, he hadn't allowed a sack since, was like week 10 of 2022. So, and and his run blocking has been tremendous, too, like, He's been he's been the guy that it's like, hey, third and short or something. Hey, let's maybe go to the tackle side or you know, third and three. Let's go toward the Panay Newell's side. Let's run Montgomery, get those, you know, uh, short yardage, right? Like he's been that kind of guy. And then obviously protecting Jared Goff. Like Jared Goff isn't some sort of mobile quarterback that runs around and you know scramble and create more time uh, in the pocket. Uh that's certainly is where Panay Sula has been that staple hold is in pass protection has been one of the top ranked uh offensive linemen pass pass protection too and it, it's interesting now this whole thing about you know blind side versus right tackle right like oh the left tackle ought to be more valuable like in the modern day nfl has become less of a thing just because both edge rushers can annihilate the quarterback these days so and can affect the quarterback just as much you know if if a quarterback sees a uh, pressure versus maybe not sees a pressure right maybe they do a move or something like that that you know, gets them to throw the ball a little bit quicker, right? Things like that happen more so in the left tackle versus right tackle type of conundrum there. Anyway, I love Panay Sewell. I think he ought to get some props for some votes or something for MVP. That's my case uh, for the five spot here for non-offensive MVP of the season. Yeah, I love it, man. It's 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 never... I mean, these guys never get recognized for the talents that they are. It's it's It sucks. I mean, I wish there were more identifiable stats or recordings of those marketing of those that, you know, tackles guard centers are able to compile over the course of the year. Like I think the pancake is one thing that they look at. I mean, obviously like if you can decrease pressure or QB hits, sacks, whatever it is, pass deflections, like that should all be counted recorded. I'm sure, I'm sure there are sites like PFF or other like super nerdy uh, (laughs) football stat sites that, that probably do look at this stuff, but no, I think your argument's awesome. I mean, Detroit, again, like number two offense in the game. You look at some of the weapons on there. It's like 
as we were talking about it for the Bears, you know, Lions matchup, it's like, yeah, when you really think about it, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is like a top talent at wide receiver. And then you really start to look around, you're like, you know, Gibbs and Laporter are in year one. Monty was a retread from the Bears. Um, they're they're making something out of Jameson Williams now. It's it's just super interesting. Khalif Raymond's been great, but like, how did they become great? And it's like because Goff has found a way to rejuvenate himself to have time to be able to, you know, kind of get it out to these folks. And obviously with the running backs, like they need those holes to kind of to kind of um, you know, exploit to make their game stand out. So it's like who's creating all that time and who's creating all that space and it's like it's guys like Panay Sewell and he's obviously at the top of his game he's he's probably revered as you know the top tackle in football so yeah man I love it sign me up I've, I'd give him votes for sure like he'd have votes uh you know going on the board for MVP if I was a writer yeah sounds good all right who is your uh number five for non-offensive MVP or a non-QB MVP yeah um for me uh, it's TJ Watt. I, uh, I I was thinking in a similar vein in terms of let's look at let's look at guys who really disrupt the game um, in ways where you know they're not touching the ball always. And, and TJ Watt for me has has been one of those guys in the game for a long time. Uh, right now he's ranked second in the league with 14 sacks. Um, his tackle totals have been increasing uh, year over year to where you know he's really kind of standing out as like a hybrid linebacker edge uh, type player for them. I mean, huge disruptor. I mean, causing um, a handful of, you know, fumbles over the course of the year. He's had a a few recoveries. Uh, He had a big interception that led to a touchdown this year. But I think about who the Steelers are and how they're able to compete at the level that they do with the talent that we kind of, you know, scoff at. I mean, it's kind of a big choke. I mean, Kenny Pickett and, you know, a thinned out receiving core, uh, guys that we're like looking at is, you know, taking those next steps, but really haven't so far. I mean, Najee is kind of like clowned on as being like a super bust and like Jalen Warren's obviously, you know, maybe the more special of the two backs and things, but it just feels like a team that's really, you know, not super established when you look at, you know, everything that they really encompass, but in the same sense, like they're seven and five, they're fighting for a playoff spot. You know, Tomlin, you know, definitely gets his flowers when it comes to being one of the top coaches in the game, but you know, we, we've seen, obviously, TJ, you know, grab um, Defensive Player of the Year award, you know, in the past, but in the same sense, like, if I was thinking about guys that, you know, really are the most valuable for their franchise, like, the Steelers without TJ Watt, you know, that, that may be the one thing that could take them, you know, completely down. I mean, I have him as my number four, uh, not, not too good. Uh, maybe moving <laughs> awesome. ahead of the way, yeah, maybe moving ahead of the way. I mean, just kind of worked like that, huh? <laughs> So yeah, he was my number four. Uh, Mike, I mean, yeah, like you said, they're seven and five. This team has no business being seven and five. Uh, they, I think, the point differential is nuts. It's like thirty points, thirty points. Like they, they've the defense has given up thirty points more than the offense has you know produced or whatever. Like this is crazy. What's happening over there in Pittsburgh? Uh, and it is players like T.J. Watt. Like if you take T.J. Watt out of there. Like the defense is still you know pretty good, like with Highsmith and Nika Fitzpatrick and all that, but like to this point where that they're you know able to win games basically because of the defense, that's all on TJ Watt. Like Mike Tomlin said, best defensive player on the planet. Um, you know, I know there's there's been a lot of talks, I think, with Miles Garrett and such, and definitely don't wanna discredit him too much and like Nick Bosa, but in my opinion, like 
at least this season, I think TJ Watt is having the best season uh, out of all those uh, players there. Uh, you know, the fumble recovery, you know, TD interception, everything is able. He's been able to do that in a very competitive uh, division, albeit, and then having absolutely the third worst offense and scoring in the NFL too. Yeah, he's definitely, in my opinion, he might be up for, I think, defensive player or defensive MVP. I think he would probably be my pick, you know, maybe him or Deron Bland, right? So definitely love me some TJ Watt for sure. Sounds good. Um, who's your number four? Oh, well, he was my number four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Yeah, yeah. Cool. Who is your number yeah. four? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pivot, pivoting it away, we're going to go with my number four is going to be C.D. Lamb. Uh, obviously, of the Cowboys, we just you know talked about Dak Prescott. Um, for me, for most of the first half of this year, um, when we didn't think Dak was the running for MVP, the only guy putting up credible numbers out of out of Dallas was C.D. Lamb. Um, they were looking for options, you know, beyond him. Um, guys like Ferguson were kind of, you know, hit or miss week to week. Cooks was a complete non-factor. Pollard was not not at all, you know, living up to the standards or hype that it was placed on him at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think Dak was steady, but, you know, his name wasn't really being, you know, catapulted toward, you know, maybe the top of, of all quarterbacks in the NFL at that point in time. So I just think about the guys that really – you know, carried the load um, you know, over the course of the season for Dallas. Obviously, their defense is incredible. Um, there's a couple guys there. I definitely think you could put in this category of, you know, non-quarterback MVPs with Bland and Parsons. But at least offensively, I mean, 90 receptions through week 13, 1,100 plus yards. He's got seven touchdowns. I mean, you could kind of project that forward. At the very least, I could see him getting 130 receptions, you know, maybe 1,500 plus yards. I mean, that is a disgusting season. And um, I think he could definitely get there. I mean, just the way they've been kind of playing and putting up their numbers, uh, he could. And, and you know, do I think he'll actually get actual um, MVP consideration? Like, I don't know, man. I think there's some guys above him, but he's definitely been, um, you know, taking his game to the most elite level at this point. And, I think folks are going to start putting him in the conversation for best wide receiver in the game at some point very soon. My number three is CDM actually. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll jump right into it. Basically, you know, uh, I love me some CD lamb. And like you were saying, I don't think he gets the credit that maybe the Jamar chases of the world uh, or the Justin Jefferson's of the world get or aj brown or etc etc again not to discredit them but i think he belongs in that picture um you know we saw what he did last season right he got like 100 receptions or something like that i think last season uh a bunch of yards etc etc but i think he's having a better season this season cowboys in general are and like you were mentioning like you know pollard hasn't had the best season i think his yards per carry is like under under four if i'm not mistaken so hasn't really had that level of production that I think, you know, maybe some of us expected him to, but, you know, CeeDee Lamb, he's definitely held his uh, end the bargain. You know, they lost Schultz in the off season and they didn't, they didn't really add too many other weapons, I think, to, uh, to that arsenal, you know, yeah, they're passing the ball more to Ferguson, but it's only really been of late that Prescott's developed more of a, you know, of a kind of a chemistry with Ferguson and, and at the tight end position, you know, and player like Gallup and then Brandon Cooks, he's, 
uh, Prescott's looking more to, at least of recent, but early on the season, yeah, it was very much on CD Lamb kind of carrying the offense, really. So, you know, uh, definitely want to give some props towards CD Lamb, what he's been able to do, think there. Um, and yeah, I don't know, just great player overall. Uh, and I don't know, he, he even has a running, t- a rushing touchdown as well. So he's been used, uh, on the running game a little bit. I think he has like 60 some odd yards as well. So has had an impact on multiple fronts, I think for the, the, the Cowboys who they're definitely clicking, you know, right now. And a lot of that obviously, yeah, is to, uh, I guess their MVP candidate there with Prescott, but then a lot of it, in my opinion too, is also CD lamb, the way he's been producing as well. For sure. Um, well, given that was your number three, you're probably curious who mine is, given that I'm sure we have the same top two at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, this may come as a surprise to many folks, but this guy by name, you know, Cache alone's probably not going to be looked at as an MVP, but in the same sense, like his numbers speak volumes. And for what he's done for his franchise, I think you've got to give him, you know, the respect that he deserves at this point. So with number three, uh, I went with Raheem, the dream, Mostert uh, from Miami. Um, Probably a bit controversial. Um, I know it doesn't roll off the tongue like very well for most folks, but he's got the second most touchdowns in the league for any positional player at this point, Um, just one shy of Christian McCaffrey. Um, He's carried the load for Miami, to be honest with you, uh, throughout this entire year on the ground. I mean, they came into this year with what they thought was going to be a three-headed monster, you know, Jeff Wilson starts off the year on the IR, um, has ultimately become a non-factor for Miami, even when healthy now. And Devon Achan was the thing that everybody was running to their waiver wire to go pick up and grab. And obviously had that amazing, you know, game against the Broncos when they won 70 to 20. But what's kind of unknown is even in that same game, Mostert, you know, went over a hundred with a couple touchdowns of his own. So it was like he, you know, was a non-factor or was completely outshadowed in that case. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, you look at the entire year and I think everybody would want to talk about Achan and who he is and what he's going to be. But you know, Mostert's just been super steady. Uh, as at this point, he's, you know, on his way to probably a thousand yards rushing, whether it's, you know, maybe this week or the one, you know, after that we talked about, he's got 16 touchdowns on the year and he's also had a lot of receiving work uh, as well. Um, not to the extent of one of my guys in the top two, but in the same sense, I feel like, you know, Miami being nine and three, um, predicating a lot of their, you know, prowess on the offensive end. Um, there's another very special player on that team too. And, you know, we'll probably be talking about him very shortly here, but in the same sense, like, I just think he needs to get a lot of attention and respect this year. I mean, I think he's, I think he's a no doubt pro bowler, um, whatever else they may be able to shower on him, uh, would be great. Cause I think, uh, you know, he's just been a rock for them from the start uh, of the season to to right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely looked at that for sure. It's 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 always that argument I think with running backs, right? If if Asian didn't have that like amazing performance, like maybe actually Mostert would get more of the love for MVP talks or Offensive Player of the Year talks. But yeah, he's definitely not getting the love that I think he deserves. We can definitely talk about like positional value. Uh, being part of Mike McDaniel's scheme, but in the end, you got to produce, and he's producing, you know, for for the Dolphins there. So I definitely respect that that pick for sure, and he definitely needs to get more attention, and he definitely has been doing well from the fantasy perspective, at least. So you know, definitely uh, got to give some props to whoever drafted him uh, in any leagues there. So yeah, yeah. 
promise there's no conflict conflict of interest here. He is on my <laughs> fantasy team, but in the same sense, I really do feel like he's had, you know, a really great year. But uh, yeah. in any case, we'll move on to number two. Wayne, who is that for you? You know, I I'll be it'll be interesting to see if we got the same number one and number two here. But number two for me, at least, I got CMC, uh, Christian McCaffrey. You know, leads the league in rushing, top fantasy running back, uh, leads the league in touchdowns as well. And the fun, the great, the great part, right, for his team, he's been healthy, right? So you know, definitely want to give some props for that. Uh, you know, for this team, for this 49ers team that's lost, you know, Debo Samuels and Trent Williams for some time, like he was the staple there. And he's done done it both running the ball and, you know, he's done it really effectively, like I mentioned before, leading the league in rushing. And he's also is able to catch out of the backfield, get touchdowns that way and, you know, create <laughs> havoc uh, for defenses. So got to show some love for Christian McCaffrey, what he's been able to do. This season, being healthy, healthy Christian McCaffrey is so deadly. And yeah, this this 49ers team is very much uh, fortunate to have a player like him right now. Yeah, I mean, he's my number one. So I I feel really strongly about that. I don't think there's a player in this game that can do more on a football field that's not a quarterback. I mean, I... His his work in the receiving game, you know, it, it almost mirrors like your wide receiver two, wide receiver three on, you know, most good teams at this point. But then he's just a complete running back as well. I mean, he can run between the tackles. Uh, he's got power, speed. Um, he's got incredible quickness and uh, just like agility, uh, kind of shaking off defenders and stuff like that. He's a great run blocker. It's like, I don't know, man. He's just got a nose uh, for the ball. He's got a feel for the game. I mean, obviously with his dad, you know, being a former pro, it just feels like the day that he walked into, you know, an NFL locker room, he was just ready to be a star. And he's just not disappointed from the time he left Stanford to, you know, now where he's at with San Fran. Um, I think it was hard. I mean, I looked at the top two. I know who your number one's probably going to be at this point. He's my number two, but it's hard because I think both teams, you know, there's a lot of stars on the rosters and you're kind of like trying to figure out like who really stands apart from being like the most valuable player on their team. But I mean, with San Fran, man, if they didn't have CMC there, I just, I feel like this is a completely different team. I think you take them down a couple of pegs, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't think Purdy, you know, is able to kind of, you know, establish his game in the same way without having somebody who's just a complete nightmare for defenses behind him. And it's just, he, he commands so much attention that I think, you know, Purdy is able to, uh, you know, establish some really great stat lines. Not that he's not deserved the credit that he's, you know, getting at this point, but in the same sense, I feel like his game would definitely take a huge knock without run CMC. Yeah. I mean, it is always that replacement or, you know, what would happen if, that player was uh, replaced, you know, with kind of an average player in that in that position to see. And Christian McCaffrey these days is very much unique in that he's just as good of a runner as he is a receiver, right? And you know, especially for the fantasy leagues out there, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to give him some props and some flowers there. Like he's definitely held his own there. Um, but then number one, and I think it was number two, and this is the fun part, right? Like you know, we can definitely talk more about you know, who is worth more to their team in a way, right? Um, but yeah, Tyree Kill, like, 
He's on, I mean, that's the thing. He's on track to break Calvin Johnson's record for receiving yards. Uh, he may be able to do it in 16 games, you know, make it a little bit more legitimate uh, to all the naysayers out there. So we'll see upon that. But, you know, number one, I think just in general, in terms of like uh, total points for most fancy leagues out there, especially the PPRs, uh, you know, eight out of 12, eight, eight out of the 12 games, he's uh, gotten a hundred plus yards. You know, we can definitely talk about his impact on that Miami Dolphins offense. Like how many secondaries are just like, we're, we're going to play back. And how does that open up run lanes, the running game? Like maybe that's where I'm thinking about his impact from an MVP standpoint, especially in, you know, today's modern NFL where it's more so now these days, like let's, let's uh, play the pass first and then the run. So um, I just see he has a high level impact is able to, you know, yeah, have, have a, the Dolphins are able to have a more effective running game basically because of him. And then, yeah, you, you know, we can talk about Tua too, as like being an MVP candidate uh, from the QB side, you know, essentially because of him and, you know, like, let's be honest, if, if it wasn't for Tyree kill, like, I don't know, is, is Tua going to have the numbers he is having? It's hard to say exactly. So but yeah, I just got to give a lot of respect to Tyreek Hill, uh, to the impact he's having, to the season he's having. It's going to be historical, in my opinion, I think. And yeah, we'll see what happens, I think, with regards to Offensive Player of the Year. But for me, I definitely got to pick Tyreek Hill as my non-QB MVP. Yeah, I mean, I think the differentiator for me was total touchdowns. I feel like, you know, McCaffrey having that by a pretty, you know, sizable margin at this point was the one differentiator. I mean, you look at their all-purpose yards, they're pretty comparable at this point. I mean, you give the nod to Tyreek Hill on on total catches uh, in that sense versus, you know, McCaffrey on the ground, things like that. But no, you're right. I mean, he he creates probably so much space for the other guys just to be able to operate in things where you're probably right. Like that plays a huge part in how Miami runs the ball. It obviously has you know, made two a lot more successful. But the thing that's awesome about Tyreek is like, I think a lot of folks looked at him after leaving KC and thought, you know, this is just another, just another case of a wide receiver, you know, who was tied to a Hall of Fame quarterback that's now going to move, you know, to a more pedestrian franchise and try to do his own thing and make his own money, but he's going to fall flat. And it's like, it's been the exact opposite. It's been the best thing, you know, Tyreek probably could have done for, you know, his own name, his, his own value, um, his own standing in this league, especially when we were talking about, you know, best receivers of all time. I mean, it's so funny because he comes in his own, like, you know, shape and size. Like we, we don't necessarily talk about the best wide receivers being someone of his, you know, stature and things like that. But, you know, with, when Wes, Wes Welker came out the other week and talked about, you know, Tyreek Hill versus Randy Moss, he says that Tyreek Hill's the most complete wide receiver he's ever you know, been around. He's able to run a complete route tree. You know, he said, there's nothing that this kid, you know, can't do. And, you know, Randy was more of like your deep ball threat, obviously had the size and things like that. But I mean, just, just talking about what kind of athlete this kid is, and obviously he's blazing fast. And I mean, he's a, he's an absolute nightmare out there too. That's why when I was looking at both, it was like, just very hard for me to, to make a decision because these are the two best players in football, um, you know, non-defensive, you know, players in that sense, but I really think, I mean, this is more of a public service announcement for the NFL or the writers, whatever it is that like, 
I think this year's MVP should be one of these two guys because honestly, following this year, I don't think we'll ever see any of the MVP candidates that will be quarterbacks this year be involved in that discussion. I think a lot of the great quarterbacks that are in the game right now are having off years. And this is one of those years where I think you got to really take a critical look and think about who's had the most impact on, on the game itself. And it's, it's one of these two guys uh, for sure. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I a hundred percent agree on that. Uh, you know, if, if it wasn't, you know, a Dak Prescott or, yeah, you know, I, I think there's definitely this whole idea of like, basically the MVP is the best quarterback. And it's like, that really ought not to be the case, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not to the kicker standpoint. I, I was looking at this whole MVP thing, <laughs> non-quarterback non MVPs that you brought up. And believe it or not, there was a kicker that won it like in 1982, actually. I'm like, what? Wow. Yeah. A kicker has, <laughs> has won the non, uh, has won an MVP before. I think it was like a strike ridden season. So it was a little bit shorter. Made all his field goals, which is great, I guess, during that time. Like, you know, now these days, like, you know, you have a kicker ever so often, like maybe one or, one or two a year. They're like almost perfect or near perfect now, but I guess in you know '82 it was more so unheard of. So like, is that and, like and, and, Ray Finkel of the Dolphins? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. uh, yeah. <laughs> Seems in is it or is it out? Yeah, faces yeah. um, out, faces out, faces out. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like it, it does. It does got to make you think, right? Like, there's got to be more value. Like, why is it? Why does it have to have? What is it, uh, a, a, a wide receiver or a, a running back basically has these days now has to have like a historical season in order to, you know, get those votes for MVP. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's kind of stupid. And then, yeah, we were talking about the defensive side of the ball too. Uh, I think two defensive players have actually won MVP as well. I uh, forget the, the other one, but the, the last one that I believe that won it, uh, was Lawrence Taylor, which is like great, the best defensive player, you know, basically of all time, right? And yeah, there's that. It, it just kind of goes to show, like, you know, there's more to, I guess, football and football winning than just the quarterback, right? Like, there's just got to be more. Maybe not the kicker or punter, but I don't know. Yeah, like let's let's talk about the T.J. Watts. Let's get him more flowers. Let's talk about the Tyreeks and Christian McCaffrey, because. You know, yeah, lo and behold, like, you know, I, I think in any other sport, right, basketball or baseball, like any position can basically win MVP. But then for football, it's almost exclusively the quarterback. And I think that's stupid. Like, I honestly do. So I don't know. I, I, I think that's where there needs to be more thought put around, you know, how the NFL think, how the NFL kind of navigates or goes about this. But it's pretty ridiculous how that just always is the case, right? For sure. I mean, it's comparable to, you know, maybe this year being where a pitcher wins the MVP, you know, in that sense, it's like, let's really dive into that because there weren't enough candidates around the year where, you know, Verlander did it last, where it was like, oh, this actually makes sense. Like Verlander was, you know, the most dominant player of all uh, in this year for our league. So um, let's hope they get there. Um, if anything, this reel could be one of many out in the universe that, you know, help push them over the over the hump there. Hopefully they're starting to think about something like that, but uh, yeah, this is our recap uh, week 14. Uh, hope you guys all enjoyed, you know, send us a comment. What do you think? Uh, who's your, who's your MVP? Who's your non quarterback MVP? Who did we miss? Uh, are there any other guys that we should have had 
in our honorable you know mention section here as well um subscribe uh wherever you're at um reviews are always great we like comments uh likes are awesome too so keep those coming um i guess with that we will move into final thoughts and wayne why don't you kick us off yeah man uh final thoughts uh, i was looking at like lumpia right and egg rolls and i guess you know i've had an, uh, a a good variety of different egg rolls whether it be vietnamese or obviously filipino with lumpia and such uh chinese ones as well like curious pat like what is your favorite i guess egg roll type of dish is there anything a little bit different um that maybe you've tried uh just kind of curious what your perspective on the whole egg roll world and you got a favorite yeah, man. I mean, my, my egg roll game is not is not super deep or extensive in any sort of way. I feel like for me, egg roll kind of falls in the same camp as sushi for me. Like I wouldn't choose it to be an entree in a lot of ways, but I do like when it's served as an appetizer and kind of like leads up to a you know, really good Asian uh, Asian meal. Um, I feel like it can cut across a lot of different uh, ethnicities in that sense, but uh yeah, man. I mean, I think a traditional uh, like chicken or, or vegetarian is always good. You know, for me, I, I like them. Um, you know, I like some of them deep fried, but I also like, you know, just the rolls that are steamed and things like that, too. I think they're they're very versatile in their own sense uh, in that way. I guess if I was to do anything off the wall, I would say, you know, any of the American spins on egg rolls uh, to me are also pretty decent. I like the the Philly cheesesteak style egg rolls that I've seen here and there uh, at sports bars. And then I like Tex-Mex egg rolls too. I mean, like you can't overlook it. I always think like it's, it's such a good option to go for if like, you're just, you know, whatever you're getting pizza or something else. And it's just kind of like the first thing that comes out. I always feel like that, you know, steals mm -hmm. the show in a lot of ways, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, what's not to like about it. I mean, it's got a good crunch usually filled with, uh, you know, veggies and things like that and kind of, you know, helps to kind of, get your meal started in a lot of ways. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'd be interested in just learning more about your takes on egg rolls too. Like what I'm, what am I missing or what are some things that, uh, I don't know, you look for in a good egg roll. Yeah. I mean, for me, at least I definitely prefer the crunch, right. Uh, you know, there, there definitely is a place and moment, I think with regards to, you know, the Vietnamese style, which is much more, I guess that like, you know, transparent type of roll and everything, but, um, for me, at least, it's definitely got to go to the crunch. You know, uh, I think that maybe the secondary, second, like most important thing, though, I think is like the dipping sauce and how does that kind of combine with whatever protein or vegetables is happening in the egg roll. But like, but like you were mentioning, though, it, it definitely is, at least in my opinion, either like a light meal. Uh, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I had like a big lunch or something. Maybe this is like my, you know, uh, a uh, little light dinner to kind of simmer down a little bit, but maybe I, I don't want to feel like I just want to eat a salad or a soup or something, you know? So I think that's where I place the egg roll, you know, a nice light meal placement that uh, gets a little bit of indulgence, but maybe not too much. And, uh, you know, sometimes I even take my egg rolls actually, like, you know, they oftentimes just put it, put it as an add in it. Maybe I could, I could take out order or something. And sometimes I honestly just save that. And, yeah, have that as like a snack or something or yeah, like a light meal and combined with, I don't know, like a, uh, a, 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 some sort of seltzer water, you know, kind of, again, if I had a big lunch, right? So I don't know. Just want to give a shout out to egg rolls. Lumpia will always be my favorite for sure. 
nice uh you know sweet and sour sauce i think to to dip it in uh, it's to die for for me you know but yeah gotta love good old egg rolls and one last question what distinguishes lumpia from any other type of egg roll yeah it's it's more so because it's like uh it's like a uh a fried on the outside um and then it's traditionally yeah with like a pork uh, in, in the inside as well mm. so i think that's kind of like what makes it it's like yeah lumpia shanghai i think is what uh it's traditionally called or formerly known as so yeah it's 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 more so kind of like that fried egg roll that you usually see but yeah i whenever i i would give it out to you know uh my classmates in high school and everything like they would always love it like what is this and yeah uh it was always uh, a staple i think in most potlucks cool man well we're gonna stay on rolls uh because i i had an awesome weekend snack that i put together for some friends while we were watching football had had their kids over and things like that but uh man i actually saw this out on ig there was a lot of different bakers that were just doing this crazy hybrid thing that i thought was the best marriage of two of my favorite sweets of all time the cinnamon roll and the chocolate chip cookie um man this thing was not that hard to make it was easier than i ever imagined and i just had never thought about it my entire you know 36 years here being on this planet so um, I tried it out this weekend, gave it a test run. Uh, it did not disappoint. It was <laughs> like one of the low key best desserts I've ever thrown together in the course of 25 minutes, but essentially super easy. Went to the grocery store, grabbed a can of cinnamon rolls, Pillsbury, just like the very, very big rolls that you can buy in one can, um, paired that with. Um, some cookie dough. I think I got some Mrs. Fields chocolate chip cookies that come in a, a, like a 12 count, uh, you know, small block cookie dough pieces that you would normally just put on a baking sheet and just fire away in the oven for, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. But, uh, essentially just took those cookies out. I started cutting them in halves, um, at a given point and kind of chopped the cinnamon rolls up into five different chunks, how they were kind of cut out in the can as it was and started to unravel the cinnamon roll a little bit. So there was like, Obviously the dough and the cinnamon was inside on the top and things, but started to take pieces of that cookie and just start to roll, you know, these small little cinnamon roll cookie things and started cutting them as I went across and started placing them on my own pan. Um, basically just figured out like the oven cook time and the overall timing had a friend over. So she was helping out, just kind of, kind of monitor it and coach me through it. Cause it was a very you know important snack that I want to throw out there. So I wanted to make sure it was, perfectly cooked, but you know, 25 minutes was all it really took. These rolls started to expand the outside and the cookie on the inside just kind of like started to melt on itself. Like it wasn't even, I don't know how to put this, like the cookie wasn't even fully formed. It was just like, just a bunch of like cookie dough, chocolate chip ooze in the center, which made it even better to be honest with you. And then uh, to kind of top it all off, I had the icing on the side and just like, you know, warm that up and just started like coating everything um, right across and then just threw them out there. And there's like 20, there's probably like 20 small cinnamon rolls that were, you know, uh, packed in the center with a chocolate chip cookie, man, it was, it was crack. I honestly, like, I, I only had three cause I was just trying to stop myself. I was like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like end my night here and just be, you know, feeling disgusted after all this is all over with. But, uh, We'll definitely fire those back out. Would definitely recommend it to anybody who wants to give it a shot. Like, just go ahead, like, 
do some science experiment. It will work. It is, they don't have to look pretty either. Like just, 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 just give it a go. It's a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, man, I was just trying to like, number one, convey all that, but in the same sense, like I might take recommendations on cookie pairings in the future. Cause I feel like all you got to do is just grab whatever kind of cookie you want and put in the center. But like, what do you think of all that? Number one. And also if you have any recommendations on what other combos might work with the cinnamon roll, like I'm open ears. I mean, you know, people are combining cookies or, or, or donuts with anything. Right. So it's like anything with dough that can go together. Like, you know, there's definitely a lot of varieties there. So I don't know. Is there like a cookie donut? Is that a thing? I just said that, but that, that does sound, that could be interesting, you know? Right. But yeah, like that. No, that sounds wonderful. Because you, I remember you sent the picture of me the other day and I was like, oh, wait, what is it? Oh, this looks nice. Like, you know, I know I get like other weird uh, pictures on my phone that people send me, but this is actually really nice. So <laughs> uh, no, it looks, it looked lovely. It sounds delicious too. Um, yeah, I don't know. What what other types of things? Maybe, I mean, like if, if they're doing like cronuts and stuff like, stuff like that, but like, I don't know if there's like a, like a cookie a cookie, uh, a croissant. Is that a thing? I'm, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to like see like what are all the fun trends out there. Um, but yeah. I imagine, yeah, like a chocolate chip. I think it was what you had, right? Uh, with some cinnamon. Yeah. Yeah. How, how might you switch up the cookie? Like if you could just buy, what other types of cookies do you think would go well with this? I mean, I'm a fan of like the white macadamia. So I don't know how that Ooh. would pair up. Yeah. If you're a fan of the white oh, macadamia. Damn, no, that... Maybe you mix Good. it up I... with the cinnamon. Oh shit! Because okay. <laughs> no. I, I like I like white macadamia on its own too. Like I would definitely yeah. And it's not it's a mellow it's a mellow flavor too. It's not like it's yeah, gonna man. overpower the dish. That's that actually might be a great combo. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. I mean something like that. Because I mean I assume you still want to use like that cinnamon side a little bit. So I feel like that would complement it a little bit. Like like yeah. Like if you were to do like a like a red velvet, I think that'd be too much, right? But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that'd be yeah. Kind of nasty. Uh, I was I was thinking too, like when I've seen like Reese's has cookies up on the shelf, and I think they do like Reese's pieces and a peanut butter cookie or something. Uh, like yeah, peanut butter, cinnamon, chocolate, like yeah, it's possible. Well, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, like what has uh what has uh, cinnamon toast crunch had? I feel like that'd be an interesting combination. Like if they've had different iterations of things like do they mix some marshmallows in there i assume they make they probably mix in some marshmallows in there right like i don't know something like that could be interesting Man. yeah or you could even you could even you could even line the cinnamon cookie dough with with cinnamon toast crunch like you could put mm. a layer of cinnamon toast crunch down on that cinnamon yeah. dough roll and then roll the cookie we got i mean this is definitely like you know this is after hour type snacking for a lot of folks probably listening in right now, but <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, just give it a shot and tell oh. me what you think. Because I mean, yeah. I was in a different world in that when I first, when I took that first bite and it just came hot out the oven and just, everything just kind of melted away. I was just like, man, this is uh, I've never had something like this before. It's, it's amazing. You know, I might take that shot on that. Like, I mean, I, I do like to play around with uh, <laughs> cereal sometimes. <laughs> Like not to like pour <laughs> pour milk in it, but to actually like use it in baking. Cause I don't know, like yeah, like rice krispie treats, they're 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 you know they're good and all. But then, and I think I've talked about before, like uh, 
like Captain Crunch, right? Having a Captain Crunch type of, you know, with marshmallows in there, like that, that, that's, 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 that's awesome. So yeah, if we can combine that now yeah, with the cinnamon toast crunch with some cinnamon, yeah, maybe like a little nice, like nice glaze on top or something. Oh, cause yeah, that crunch, I think would go well with it. So, all right. All right. And yeah. Tons of options out there. I feel like keep experimenting. Um, really looking forward to making these again, but, uh, anyways, just wanted to throw that out there in the ether. Um, week 14 in the books. We'll see how it goes this weekend. Folks, if you're still around, subscribe, like comment, um, go check out the sharps app. If you want to play some bets and talk about it with some new friends out there on this social media app for sports betting. And then, um, yeah, if you're looking to kind of stay fit this winter and get jacked up, go check out Titan nutrition for all sorts of products. Uh, you'll get 10% off if you use our code. Uh, but anyways, for Wayne and Patrick, uh, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>